Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on Grace Church, visit us at gracemc.org. Well, good morning, everybody. So it dawned on me as I was walking up here that to arm a congregation with rocks right before a message (laughs) may not be the smartest move. So thanks for holding them this morning. (laughs) On Wednesday this week, uh, we welcomed back... Uh, one of our staff members at Youth for Christ after a nine-month military deployment. And uh, I had the opportunity to spend a couple hours with him. We actually decided we were going to go on a hike, uh, marking his re-entrance. And uh, as we were talking, literally for a couple hours, uh, it was fun just to hear him unpack his experience over the last nine months. Now, his deployment was unique because He's a chaplain in the Army Reserves, but he was actually attached to uh, part of the special ops uh, unit in the military, and evidently there's layers to that. And so he was assigned with some pretty elite soldiers uh, that do a lot of things that nobody knows about. And uh, all he could tell me was uh, he was on four different continents and uh, saw a lot of crazy things that you and I probably heard about across the world and are still kind of learning about as well. But he couldn't share it, and he was in a transition going from what his world was like over those nine months back into civilian life. And the challenge for him is is he couldn't talk about a lot of it. And so as we talked, it was interesting just to see what we're going to look at this morning play out in helping him process an ending and then moving into kind of a new beginning for him. If you haven't been here the last week or two, we're in a series called uh, Change, Managing Transition in the Midst of Change. And I just want to give a really, really quick uh, overview just to set this up. So change and transition are two different things. Change is when our circumstances become different. Transition is how we navigate those and internalize those along our journey. Change is fast. Transition is slow. There's three phases to transition. It starts with an ending and it ends with a new beginning. And between the two, there's this neutral zone that we all go on. Last week, we looked at why endings are important. And if you remember, we talked about endings are actually a form of pruning. Jesus taught about this when he said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? So it can be more fruitful. And so as hard as endings can be, they're actually part of God's design for discipleship. We talked about how they affect us last week, and we looked at the five Ds. Uh, Sometimes we disengage as a result of an ending. Sometimes we dismantle our belief systems or our relationships. We disidentify with what once was. Uh, There's disenchantment and there's disorientation. These are all part of the responses and the reactions that a lot of us have to different endings that happen. And then we concluded last week by looking at how do we redeem these for good? How can we find good in the midst of some hard pieces of life? And we looked at the concept of metabolism. Uh, When we eat food, we metabolize the food and we turn it into energy. But we also identify what's not useful and we eliminate that as waste. When you view life and you view endings through that lens, this idea of metabolizing, how can I grow? And what do I need to leave behind so that I can be stronger and more effective with what God's called me to? So last week was all about us processing these endings. This week is part two with this, and we're actually going to take a look at how do we help each other? 
Along this journey, whether it's family members or friends or just people in your orbit, how do we come alongside and help each other when we're going through difficult things? So we're going to dive right in this morning, and we're going to start with, it starts with the practice of the power of presence. Practicing the power of presence, just showing up is where it starts. We cannot force the processing of an ending for somebody, but we can join them on the journey. And it starts by simply showing up. Jesus modeled this over and over in the Gospels, where he would just show up and be present with people that are going through hard things. Luke 24 is a great story, a great example of this. So the death of Jesus had just happened, and the tomb was empty. And it says that there was a couple of Jesus' followers who were actually going on a walk to Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And here's what we read in Luke 24. It says, now that same day, so this is probably the same day as the resurrection, but they didn't know this yet. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. So imagine you're on this walk with a friend, and you are trying to process one of the greatest endings that's ever happened, and you don't know what to make sense of it. And there's real-time things happening in your midst, and Jesus shows up. It's what he does. He shows up in the midst of our journeys. Later in that day, we read this, that they were now with the disciples and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? There is something about when we show up in the life of somebody that as a Christ follower, Jesus shows up to. And we get a chance to be God's hands and feet in the midst of some difficult parts of life. The ministry of presence is showing up and walking with somebody as they process their ending. It's standing with people in the midst of their questions and their doubts and their concerns and their losses. Here's the thing. You don't need to have the answers. You just need to have the willingness. And people who are willing to enter into those spaces are people who God uses to bring his hope. So that's the first thing is showing up, the practicing the, the power of just being present. But then it moves into the next thing that we can do to help people process endings, and that is ask clarifying questions. So endings, as we all know, can be really confusing. If they're not clarified, we can begin to build a narrative in our minds as how we think this thing either has played out or is playing out. And those narratives may or may not necessarily be true. Sometimes we need somebody on the outside to help us navigate What is actually happening? I love Proverbs 20. It says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. So we can help our friends navigate these endings by asking questions. And again, Jesus was a master at this. In fact, people have studied this, and I've read that they've found 307 different times that Jesus asked a question throughout the Gospels. He asked way more questions than he gave answers. This is important for us to realize because we don't have to have the answers when people are going through a difficult ending. 
We just need to know how to ask strategic questions. So this morning, um, the handout that's available at the doors, if you didn't get one, has some really practical tools for all of us that you don't have to be an expert in in order to use. And so I'm going to take a look at a couple of these things. Here's some, when we help people go through these things, sometimes it's helpful to ask questions uh, to get at clear understanding of what they mean. So here's a couple of questions for that. Saying things like, well, what do you mean by dot, dot, dot? Say more about that. We have a staff member who is a phenomenal question asker with kids. And he loves that phrase. Say more about that. And every single time, that student will open up to the next level. Can you give me an example is another way to get at the meaning of this. Another category is to help understand what somebody really desires as they're processing through. Some some questions to help us would be, what would it look like for you to, or what would you do differently if you were These are, again, they're questions to help someone kind of think about it from a different take. And then to help somebody understand how they're processing these things, here's a couple questions. What makes you say that? Or what's happening inside you as we are talking? When we show up and we ask these kinds of questions, we become a gift to the person who's trying to figure things out. And we allow them to get what's in their minds and their hearts out into words, and articulating it is half the battle. So the third thing we can do to help people respond to these endings is listen. Listen to learn. Scripture tells us really clearly in James, it says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When we are listening to somebody process an ending, our posture is really important. Our posture, not just physically, although that's important, but our posture of humility. We are not there to answer the questions. We are not there to argue with them or to counter their thoughts. Our job is to listen. Loss is a subjective experience, and our objective view is completely irrelevant in the moment. People need to be heard, and people need to be understood They just need to know that there's somebody out there who actually cares. So here's a couple of tips to help us listen in these contexts. The one is seek to understand before we're understood. This is empathy. A great definition of empathy is the ability to listen to understand and not have to reply. You just listen even if you don't agree. You just listen and let them get it out. Second listening tip is to acknowledge the losses openly. Good listening builds trust, and it enables a person to bring their losses out into the open and be fully transparent. And transparency builds trust, and trust leads to healing. Here's a third one. This is probably the hardest, is don't be surprised by overreaction. Overreaction is a very, very common part, especially if it's an ending that's really, really hard. There's emotions attached to it. Overreaction happens because change always brings with it loss or the perception of loss, and loss is hard. Overreaction happens because current loss triggers unresolved previous loss. So if somebody has had something happen in their past and it's never really been addressed, 
that will come with them into the next ending. And it often shows up with emotional overreaction. And thirdly, overreaction happens when small losses are perceived as a pathway to larger losses that are coming that will personally affect us. So here's the thing. Our job is to respond and not react to the reaction. That's easy to say. That's hard to do in the moment. But the bottom line is this. People listen to people who listen. And if you are talking, you are not listening. And so understanding that sometimes our presence, just showing up, the ability to ask questions, and then just to sit back and just listen to someone, that is ministry. David Augsburger says it best. He says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they were almost indistinguishable. So the fourth way that we can help someone process an ending is to provide space to do just that, to process. Relational ministry is all about being real. This was Paul's approach when he was reaching out to the people in Thessalonica And he wrote this. He says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. There was a sense of authenticity that Paul and his his guys and gals did in the midst of people of just being real. When endings happen, there are real emotions that take place. That's not a sign of bad morale. That is signs of grieving. The emotions that people go through that come alongside any kind of time there's a loss. Might not always be evident at first. Sometimes you go through a process of denial, but eventually emotions will show up. And here's what some of them look like. Some of these signs of grieving include anger, ranging from grumbling all the way to rage, everything in between. That anger can be directed, it can be misdirected, or it can be undirected. But it can lead people to get stuck to hold grudges, to lash out, even sometimes to sabotage the situation they're part of. Our job is to listen and discern what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, because sometimes we do need to step in, but to make sure they're given a place to process anger. Secondly is bargaining. Bargaining is making unrealistic attempts to get out of a situation or to make it go away. It's when somebody tries to strike a deal to undo the change. Our job is to keep a realistic outlook and not be swayed by the desperate arguments and impossible promises. Anxiety, also part of a grieving process. It's natural, and it can be both silent or it can be expressed. Our job is to listen, to empathize, to pray, and to provide that presence of saying, you know what, I will carry this with you. Sadness. Sadness is the heart of the grieving process. Our job is to encourage people. And like one of our staff members uh, has said in the midst of, we've unfortunately had tragedies over the years where we lose young people. And it has a huge impact on a school or a community or a group of friends. And we see kids that are struggling. And one of our staff person has put words to this to help kids. And that is, name your tears. Name your tears by saying what they represent about how you feel. Sadness is not our job to fix. 
Sadness is our opportunity to walk into with someone. Disorientation, we talked about this last week. Those feelings of being lost and insecure. This listening process helps people get things off their chest. It expresses their need for support, and it reminds them that this feeling they have is natural. And then finally, depression. Depression is a real thing when we talk about going through change and endings. It's that feeling of being down, kind of being listless, kind of feeling hopeless. It's feeling tired all the time. Our job is to help people take control of the little things they can control and begin to see small wins along the way. So this whole journey of helping somebody kind of navigate the space to process things is hard. And frustration is a big part of this that is sometimes it gets in the way. And I love this this idea of understanding frustration is the result of allowing something that I can't control to control me. You want to be frustrated? Just allow something that's out of your control to control you. You will be frustrated every single time. This idea of releasing the control is part of this process of going through an ending. I love what Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl said. He says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. So we're going to provide a very practical tool to help us come alongside people that are navigating these endings. On the back of your bulletin, of your handout, is uh, a framework of actually a guided conversation to help somebody kind of walk through a difficult ending they're going through. The cool thing is you don't have to have a single answer, and all you have to do is ask the questions on this, and you can set it up in a way where it's like, we're going to walk through this. It might feel a little awkward, but if you'll give me the liberty, I think it could be helpful. And so on the screen, you can kind of see what these look like. It starts with connecting. So imagine you're going to sit down over coffee with a friend, and you've got about an hour. And so initially, you're going to just build the rapport, the trust. Maybe you know the person already. How are you doing? What insights have you had maybe since your last conversation, if this is something that's happening more than once? Then we're going to pivot, and we're going to focus what this conversation's about. Determine the person's desired outcome. So questions like, where would you like to focus this conversation? What makes this important to you right now? And what result would you like to take away from this visit? We move into dialogue. So this is kind of the bread and butter of a conversation. This is encouraging discovery and insights and perhaps a shift of perspective. What are the key issues to address? Where do you feel stuck? What are you learning about yourself and the situation that you're in as we talk? And how are we doing at getting to the result that you desire? Helps us focus our questions and our dialogue around truly serving the person. Then you move into an action piece where you capture the insights and maybe you put them into an action step or two with that person. What actions could you take to move forward? How confident are you that you can do this? And what support do you need? And then finally, as you're concluding, there's kind of this learning piece where you can review and you can reflect on what was talked about. What awareness do you have now that you didn't have before? And what makes this significant for you? As simple as that list of questions is, it truly can be life-changing. 
This is a model of coaching that people pay thousands of dollars for, but it can be super helpful to help draw out what's in their hearts the way God would want that done, simply by asking questions. So finally this morning, as we, as we kind of come to a close this morning, there's one last one that's, uh, that helps people sometimes mark an ending or navigate an ending, and that is actually marking it. Marking an ending. Helping people advance in a healthy way by symbolically marking something, by letting them release it. So after Moses died, the baton was handed off to Joshua. And if you know the story, Joshua now is ready to lead the Israelites into the promised land. It's a new generation of people because they'd been out wandering for 40 years. And they have to go across the Jordan River to get to the promised land, just much like the former generation had to go through the Red Sea. And we see Joshua collectively mark an ending after the whole nation passes through this river. And here's what we read. Joshua said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of Israelites. We know there was 12. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. They make this little pile of stones, and it was intended to be a marker, a milestone for them because of all that God had done to bring them to here. And now this old way of life was ending. And now they were going to move into their new beginning. And sometimes just pausing to acknowledge God's goodness and that there is a separation that needs to happen for us to move into our new identity is really, really important. As we've been doing this message series, I've had the opportunity to meet regularly with both the staff here at Grace and the Elder Board. These separate meetings have helped both teams, both individually and collectively, process the pastoral transition that we have been going through here at Grace. And if you're wondering what these meetings look like, I can tell you. It's practicing the power of presence, just showing up. It's asking clarifying questions so they can begin to articulate what they're going through. It's listening to learn. And it's providing space to process. Here's what I've observed. These are people who are on a journey of change just like you and me. They're navigating their own personal journey as well as navigating the church. As leaders, I can tell you they care deeply about you and our church. I've watched them actively seek God in prayer and express their desire to just, we just want what God wants for our church. And while being on their own journey, they are willing to help support you and me on ours as it relates to our church, even if that means being a target for some of the the difficult conversations, maybe some of the reactions that have come. So as we close this morning, we're going to provide an opportunity as a church as well as as individuals, to mark an ending. This is optional, 100% optional for everybody. If you are not ready to mark an ending that you have experienced, then we do not want you to participate or feel pressure by any way. We know that you can't force the processing of an ending. It needs to happen in our hearts. But we do want to give an opportunity for those that are ready to have a chance to do that.
And so the, the rock that Jesse uh, asked you to pass and, and take represents your ending. An ending from your past, or maybe it's an ending you're currently going through. But this is your ending. We read in Scripture that rocks and water have a lot of meaning. Even in our story of Exodus, here's what we realize. It started way even before Moses, when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. What did they do? They cut, they carried, and they built these big Egyptian structures out of stone for years. Moses is born, and there's this issue of every young male boy was supposed to be killed by the, you know, the Pharaoh had declared this. And Moses was put in a little basket and put where? He was put on the Nile River, the water, and then was rescued, no other by Pharaoh's daughter. We see that as the Israelites actually fled Egypt, they faced their first test of faith at the Red Sea, at this big, massive body of water. And not long after, Moses calls out to God to turn this pool of bitter water into drinkable water for the Israelites. We read Moses' brother Aaron created a breastplate out of 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. The Ten Commandments were given to Moses on what? Tablets of stone. We read in their anger that more than once the Israelites wanted to take their rock and stone Moses and Aaron. And we read that after Moses died and Joshua became the leader, not only did they cross the Jordan River, but as we said earlier, they used rocks to create their memorial. It's fascinating to see how water and rock are part of this. And then you read beyond this story into the rest of Scripture, and you basically realize water is a symbol for cleansing and renewal. It represents salvation and new life. Rocks and stones are a symbol of God's strength, his power, his reliability. The Hebrew word for rock literally means stability and faithfulness. The church is built on the rock. Stones are used to commemorate God's divine power. David picked up a stone to take down the the giant. Samuel set up an Ebenezer stone, which means stone of help, after the Israelites defeated the Philistines. And ultimately, we see the resurrection and the empty tomb is represented by what? The stone that's rolled away. So today, each of you are holding a stone. If you didn't get one, this is a chance for somebody to pass one down. But at the end of today's service, as we exit out the doors, every door has a little glass container, you might have seen it coming in, full of water. And there's actually some rocks in there from the first service. And if you feel ready, we're just going to invite you to release the ending or the loss that perhaps you've been carrying. Just drop it in the container. These containers are glass, so we ask that you do it gently. Um, That was a risk, but we decided it was worth it. And that will commemorate the fact that we are releasing this and letting it go. Now, earlier, I mentioned that I've had the opportunity to meet with the staff and the elders. As I'm sharing this part, I want to invite the elder board to the stage. And as they're coming up, on Tuesday of this past week, we had a chance uh, at the meeting to actually kind of talk about this morning's message. And I wanted to get their counsel and wanted to kind of get thoughts around how, um, how this message could be shared. 
And here's what happened. In the midst of a conversation, they spoke up and they said, we feel like we need to mark an ending as a team of leaders for this church. I'd love to just pray for us if it's okay. God, thank you for just the hearts of people who love you and love this church. Thank you for this team. Thanks for the courage it takes to come up here and do things like this. How refreshing it is uh, to just simply be real and acknowledge the fact that we missed the mark. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who forgives. And we thank you that you are protecting our church. And we pray, God, that you would prepare us for what's next. Do what only you can do and move powerfully, Lord, in this season because so many people need to know you. So thank you for this team. Thank you for our body of, of believers here. And we pray that you would bless it. In Jesus' name.